0: I'd like it if you would turn in your Bibles to Psalms 100 and, uh, 103, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 19. And it's, it's a passage that we've read a couple of times for scripture reading, but it's, it's, there's this list of the benefits of God. And so I'm going to read through this, and I just want you to count as best as you can how many benefits that you come up with, and then I will tell you what the right answer is. Okay, maybe not the exact right answer. It kind of depends on how you count them. But I just want to read through this, and I want to remind us of how great God really is. So, Psalms 103, verses 1 through 19. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives your sins, and he heals your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Verse 6 says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his way to Moses, his deed to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Verse 11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, So great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone. And his place remembers it no more. But from ever to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And his, children's, or, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. I came up with 21. Anybody else come up with something close to that number? I know it's a lot harder for you. I, I, I read through it slower, and I made little marks through my Bible as I did it. But I, there's, there's a, at least 21 different things that are a benefit to us because of what God did by sending Jesus to die on a cross so that we can have salvation. And I wanted to have that reminder because a lot of times it's easy to say, okay, thank you, God, for my salvation. I'm trusting you to get me to heaven. And then we we get this idea in our, our heads where it's easy to say, okay, now I'm gonna take it from here. I'm gonna live my life however I want. I worry you got heaven, I got here, and I'm gonna take care of myself here. And it's easy to forget how great God is and how much we should be willing to give God a chance. God has something He wants to do in your life that He's probably not going to do in my life, in my life that He's not going to do in your life, but I want you to give Him the chance to do what He wants you to do. Uh, There's a five-letter word that makes it really hard for us to uh, trust God. This five-letter word is called worry, W-O-R-R-Y, that keeps us from wanting to give God the chance. So let's just say, okay, I want to give God the chance to do whatever he wants in my life. I have this worry. What do I do about that? Because I know it's hard to trust God uh, at times to do what he wants to do in my life. And we're going to look at some of those reasons uh, of what that might possibly be. Well, in this passage in Luke chapter 12, verses uh, 22 to 34, we come up with the two things that we need to do with the worry that we have. The first is that we need to give our worries to God. We all have worries, and this actually works for every part of your life. If you have worries about my future, if I have worries about my kids, if I have worries about my health, if I have worries about my finances, this applies to that as well. Is to If you have those worries, give them to God. And we're going to see ultimately what can you do with your worries if you decide not to give them to God. What can you do about what you're worrying about? But we're not quite there yet. So Luke chapter 12, verses 22 to 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? So, the people of that day, they had a lot to worry about, and Jesus picks two things that would be of very big importance to these people. He picks their food and he picks their clothing. He could have picked their houses, he could have picked their occupation, but the, the two necessities that they need every day are what they're going to eat and what they're going to wear now, with food, you know they they kind of would make what they were going to live off for that day or for the next couple of days when they ran home. After, after they went to the synagogue, they didn't go home and say, I'm going to go to the Plevna bar for lunch. I'm going to go to Baker and go get some Heiser Bar pizza. They didn't do anything like that. They couldn't go to the grocery store because they didn't have those things. They would go home, they'd have to make their bread and say, okay, this is what I'm going to eat. And if they didn't have anything, they were kind of up a creek without a paddle. They really didn't have uh, any way to take care of themselves. When they worked their jobs every day, they, they kind of worked on a day-to-day basis. I, I work today, I get paid today so that I can eat today. There's no they had no deep freeze. They had no fridges of full of food. Like, you go to my house right now, I have food, even enough for Spencer and Jasper. I have food in there, and it's like, it's really easy. We got food in our crock pot cooking right now so that when we get home, we have something to eat. They did not have that kind of situation. But Jesus says, you know what? I know that you worry about food. I know that's really important. You need three meals a day if possible. You need to keep your your tank full if you're going to keep running. But he says, I want you to consider something. Verse 24 says, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? And and when Jesus is using the, the idea of ravens, these were like a kind of a worthless bird to them. They were kind of a scavenger bird. It wasn't a bird that they would sacrifice. It wasn't a bird that they would sell. It wasn't a bird that they would eat. It was just kind of a scavenger bird, and it really had no meaning meaning or benefit to the people of, of the Jews at that time. As, but God said, hey, you know what? You guys look at these birds, these ravens, that do absolutely nothing for you, but I care about them. And if I care about them, how much more am I going to care about you? Then he says the second thing, it's their clothing. Uh, they would have like a, one set of clothing. You know, when you go to my house, I have a closet full of clothes. You know, how many, you know how many shirts and ties I tried on this morning to find something that would sort of match? I could spend all day doing that kind of thing. They did not have that. They didn't have their winter wardrobe and their summer wardrobe and their spring and their fall and all these. They had like, okay, this is my one set of clothing that I'm going to wear. And so they, it was... A big concern, if this wears out, I need something else. But he says, I want you to consider something. He says, consider, verse 27, consider how the lilies grow. And they're pretty. He says, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how the, if God clothes the grass of the field which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O of you, of, oh, you of little faith? They had beautiful flowers, and they had grassy fields, and a lot of that stuff was used for fire, you know, because around that area, they didn't have acres and acres of green forest trees that they could cut down and chop up and and stick into a fireplace. They they would have to use sticks, and they would have to use the grass and the flowers. They probably liked the beauty of them, but they, they needed something if they're going to cook their bread, and so they would take those things, and they would keep throwing these things in the fire to keep it hot enough to cook the, the meal that they were going to cook. And he says, you think about Solomon. He's the richest man who ever lived in the history of the world. The richest people probably wear the best clothes. I found out yesterday that Prince somebody got married. Anybody have watched that? And, and there's a new princess. I don't know the names of these people. But do you know what they were wearing? I bet it was they were dressed to the hilt. They wore the best that money could buy. Solomon, he wore the best that money could buy, and Jesus would say, "You know, Prince, whoever you are, and your wife, uh, you guys don't even compare with those flowers that are just going to be thrown into the fire and never be thought of again." It's like, "Good, there's more. Keep shoving it in there because I want it hot enough to cook the bread that I'm going to eat." And it wasn't—it wasn't a big deal. I mean, it was—it was was kind of a big deal for them for the food that they ate and the things that they're going to wear. Last week, or not last week, let me take that back, about three weeks ago, because last week was Mother's Day, and then the week before that was a Awana Sunday. The week before that, we talked about the parable of the rich man who said, uh, I, I just had this abundant crop, I have, all these, I have all this grain, I don't know what to do with it. I'm going to tear down my bigger barns, or my smaller barns, I'm going to build bigger ones, and I'm going to take life easy, uh, sit back and relax for years to come, because I have a, way more than I need. And Jesus said, tonight, you fool, your life is going to be demanded of you because you were not rich towards God and you were only rich toward yourself. Then who's going to get what you have left over that you have left? That guy wasn't even going to get to enjoy. But here you have the opposite end of the spectrum, and Jesus is telling these guys, don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink or or what you're going to wear. And that's a major thing because they did not have the resources that this rich man had. They didn't even have the resources that we have today so that this what I'm going to eat and what I'm going to wear were very big concerns that they have. They had worries that they were facing every day. And it was okay to care about their food. It was okay to care about what they wore. But the problem came when they said, I'm so focused on what I'm going to eat, what am I going to wear, that they had no time to do what God was asking them to do. And so this is where we're going to be hitting at today is where what's... In our life, that we are so concerned about, what my hobbies are, what am I eating, what am I wearing—that's keeping me from doing what God has asked me to do. Our our worries in life are a lot different. I, I want you to you'd imagine uh, you're laying in bed tonight, you're about to fall asleep, or even last night, if you if you'd like to think about that instead, since you actually did go to sleep last night, and you're you're about to fall asleep, and all of a sudden you get this thought in your head that says, "Hey, Leslie, hey, Sharon." Hey, Nicole, I, I, I want you to do this, I, a specific thing, and you're thinking, uh, I'm not sure I, I want to do that. Um, I'm, I'm, I've never done it before. I'm scared of what it's going to cost me. I'm not sure I want to do this. Maybe here's some examples that I come up with. Maybe, uh, but the thing is, you know this is God that's giving you this idea. You wish you would have fell asleep five minutes sooner, but you know this is God telling you to do this. Maybe he's telling you to go on a mission trip short-term or long-term, but you really feel like God's pounding in your head, you got to go on a mission trip. Uh, Maybe God's telling you to go teach a Sunday school class. Give a Sunday school teacher a break and to take it over for a while. Uh, Maybe God's telling you to give a large amount of money to the foxes for a four-wheeler, which obviously somebody did, but maybe God was speaking to somebody right before they went to bed and they got a decision that they have to make. Uh, Maybe God's telling you he wants you to go to Bible school. Now, while you're laying there, what's your immediate response when, you, when you're laying there? Anybody's immediate response to say, yes, God, I'll go. I'm here. Send me. Yes, I'm going to do it. Anybody thinking that? Uh, what kind of fears, what kind of worries come into your mind when you're facing those things? What kind of excuses are going to creep into your mind? Where if you have to, you, you have a large amount of finances, but you think, I worked hard for these finances. I don't want to give them to some missionary. I don't want to give it to some foreign mission field or, or even to some needy person down the street. I worked hard for these things. God, I don't want to give that stuff away. Uh, maybe you have a career that you love, you've worked hard for, you went to school for, and you, you want to retire from there. Does that creep into your mind? You think, I don't want to go to, to the mission field. I don't want to give up and go to the Bible school uh, because, I, because I'm, I'm content where I'm at. Maybe you think, my friends and my family, they're not going to understand. If I go move to Alaska or Uganda, or if I quit my job or I uproot my family and we go to some place where there's a Bible school, they're going to think I'm crazy. Maybe that's going to creep into your mind. Or maybe you think, I have my own plans, God, and I'm pretty sure that if I say yes to doing what you want me to do, I was discussing this in Sunday school, I'm going to marry somebody that's really ugly. God's going to put me in Africa where there's hot and there's no, uh, there's no running water and there's no electricity. If I say yes, if I give God the chance to do what he wants with my life, it's going to stink, right? That's, that's what comes into our mind. God doesn't know. And if, if you have those concerns, you know, like uh, people are going to look at me funny or my, they're not going to accept it or I have my finances and I, k- I kind of like my job and so I'm not going to do it. If that's your thought, I want to tell you something. That's okay. It's okay to say, you know what, I don't want to go because I, it's it's too scary. There's too much unknown. I don't want to give because I worked hard for that. It is okay to say no if you're going by the world's standards. Because the world says no. All they got is here to live for. But if you're going to go by what God thinks, you better say yes. Because remember, at the start of this before I fell asleep the thought that came to my head you know is from God. You can't say no because God's got something for you to do. But are you got the courage? Do you have the guts to give God the chance to do what he wants you to do in life? And believe me, I know it's hard to say yes to God. Because when we went to when I went to Bible school and, and when I was trying to work and it's like I want to be a pastor and it's like where am I going to end up? You know, is anybody even going to say yes? What am I going to have to give up to go? And so I know this is scary. Um, I did come up with three reasons why it's hard to give God a chance. Uh, number one is because I know that just because I say yes to God and going to Timbuktu or to Bible school or, or teaching the Sunday school class or giving this large amount of money doesn't mean that I'm not, that everything's going to be peachy keen. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be great. I, still, I might be walking into a, a hornet's nest by saying yes to God, I might lose everything if I go and say yes to God. Just because I say yes to God does not mean everything's going to work out. So that's a really big concern. Like, really? Well, I don't know if I want to say yes. Another thing is that God's going to do what He thinks is best, not necessarily what I think is best. You know, uh, my, the dream situation that you might be living in or what you see, what my future looks like. God might have something completely different, and they're, they're like a black and white. They're completely different. And you think, I don't think God's got the same thing in mind as what I have in mind. And the third thing is, when you go and you, you say yes to doing what God wants, you have this fear of, I might not even understand what good comes out of it. We were talking at Sunday school about the evil that happens in life sometimes. And like we don't even always get to know what's the reason for these things happening. If I did, like the plumbing I spent two days with Pastor Joe. We called the plumber. Please come and make this plumbing work out. He never called back, so Pastor Joe came over and saved my life. But we we spent hours upon hours, trip after trip to Baker, to figure this out. And I'm thinking, wait a second. I'm the pastor here. I'm doing this for free. I'm trying to help you, God. (laughs) Why are you not helping me? And it's like the good that I could think that came out of this is why I learned how to have I learned some plumbing, so if you have plumbing issues, I know to call Pastor Joe. Um, I, I save money because I'm a lot cheaper than a plumber. I'm hopefully it lasts, but you know, it's like I don't know what's the purpose. I, you, you try hard, but God's got his different goal in mind that you may not even know what it is. And when you think about those things, it's really hard to say, okay, God, I'm going to give you the chance because I'm afraid God's going to let me down. I'm afraid he's going to put me someplace miserable. That I'm going to face trials and persecutions. That I'm going to get above everything, and I'm going to get nothing in return. That's what I'm afraid of. If I say, "Okay, God, I'm going to give you the chance to do what you want in my life," so if you if you say, "You know what? I am bent on not giving God a chance. I am going to deal with it on my own," I got some benefits of worrying. Okay, I actually came up with some benefits of worrying. Before I get there, I want to tell you what Jesus has to say about this, which is probably better. Um, but verse 25, it says, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing to just extend your life, it's simple. It's a piece of cake for Jesus. Why do you worry about the rest? What does what worry benefit you? Nothing. It doesn't add anything. But here's what it does do for you. It causes baldness. It causes ulcers. It causes headaches. It causes stress and your muscles to ache. And I know this from firsthand, except for the ulcer part, I don't know. Uh, but when I, we moved to Davenport, I was in the fourth grade. I was an oblivious little kid in Spokane. I moved to Davenport, and all of a sudden, I'm in this new town, and I'm worried to death every day before I went to school. Nobody ever picked on me. The teachers were nice to me. I never flunked anything. I, but I was worried. I was worried so much that every day before school I'd throw up because I was that worried. And I stayed home lots and lots of days because I just worried. And so that's a benefit. I mean, if you want to worry, it's stock up in something that's going to take away an ulcer. You know, uh, get, a, get a, a wig or something, you know, because there's all these negative side effects to worry. So there really is no benefit to it. So I would encourage you. You have worries. I know you do because you're human. I have worries. Sometimes I get worried before I get up here. And I just have to think, okay, God, I'm giving it to you. Please help me, because I cannot do anything about it. There's no benefit to it. I can spend all night long trying to figure out every little answer to every little question that I have, and have all these backup and contingency plans. But guess what's going to happen? As soon as I take my first move, all my options just change. If I try to figure out every little step of where God's going to get me, because if you say, yes, I'm going to go to Bible school, and from there I think I'm going to go to this church or go to this mission field or go to this college or whatever uh, to do ministry, there's going to be something different, and you're not going to know, Where's my, I can worry about my apartment. I'm going to worry if there's enough money. Then I have enough money, and I'm going to worry, are people going to like me? And then, okay, i got people who kind of like me, but are they going to show up? You can just spend your whole life trying to work out every little detail and never go anywhere. You just got to trust him and say, okay, this is step one. God doesn't show you the end and if he does, he doesn't show you like this how he's going to get you there. It'll you know, be a straight line it's the easiest point. but God's got all sorts of backwards and different angles to get you where he wants you to go. You just got to take step one. So the first thing you got to do when you got worries about doing what God's asked you to do, whether it's something really small or something really big, is you got to give it to God. And that might be one time. You might be one of the people who can say, okay, God, I trust you with, with my future, and it's like no big deal. Or it can be like me who goes, here, God, here, God, I'm a yo-yo. I'm a back and forth because I want to worry about it, and you got to just give it to God. The second thing is you got to put your focus on your future. And I'm not talking about your earthly future. I'm talking about your heavenly future. Verses 29 to 31. It says, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Now, the pagan world, the world that says, I don't believe in Jesus, or I don't believe in God, and I'm just, uh, all I have to do is to take care of myself. Of course, they're going to worry about those things, because their whole life is about now. All All that I need to eat to keep going all the things that they need to keep wearing because they have nothing to look forward to, and that's what Jesus is talking. Don't be like those people; they have no hope, they have no, there's no future. But I don't blame them. You know, if if I did not have God in my life, um, I would I would be exactly the same way. I'd be like, okay, I, I'm going to make sure that I'm storing up money because that's what I'm putting my confidence in. I'm storing up a big storeroom of food because if if the world ends and there's uh, People who are running around and they're, because I know people who do that. They have this huge storeroom of food be, because they think the world's going to end and they're going to have to hoard it all and they want to keep living. That's what I would do. Um, I would, I'd probably have more clothes. I don't know. Every, everything that I think that I'm going to need, I would be storing that up because I have to rely on myself. I have to have, rely on somebody, and so I would just choose myself. But I, I would go the, other, the extreme also, like all the, uh, the luxuries of this life. I would be going this way and I would be going that way because if this life is all there is, I want to enjoy everything about that. I want to have as much money as I can. I want to experience everything this world has to offer if this is all that there is. It's the verse that says, eat and drink because tomorrow you're going to die. That would be me. If I did not have God in my life, that's exactly what I would do. I would be into everything that I could possibly get my hands to because this life is all that there is. And honestly, I don't even know how people put up with it. You know, I even think of, like, Sharon in the hospital and thinking, like, she's she was, you know, it, she did not look like she's very comfortable. You know, and if if, if somebody, is, like Leslie's grandpa, when he was dying of ALS for, for, like, three years, and it's just getting worse and getting worse, and he, he had, he wanted to go to heaven. He knew he was going to heaven, but it was still difficult because death is a hard thing to go through. And if you don't have a hope of where you're going, you know, if, you, if, you, if Sharon doesn't have hope that prayer is going to change anything, if she doesn't have a God that she can trust, it's very difficult. And I don't know how people make it through life without a Savior. They do somehow, but I don't get how they do it. But as Christians, we're not supposed to be like that. We're not supposed to be trying to store up all our wealth and all our clothes and just make ourselves happy on this life as if that's all there is. I know that it's a struggle. It's the American dream to do that. And I, I have that same dream. I want to be able to sit back and relax. I want all the bells and whistles. You know, I have that kitchen next door, the bathrooms next door make me go, boy, I really like this. I mean, it would, get, it would be very easy for me to say, this, I've arrived, you know, and maybe that's a small arrival, but I've arrived because it's beautiful over there. But I have to stop and say, you know what? There's more to life than my kitchen, and I don't cook. There's more to life than the bathrooms. There's more to life than having the things of this life. We should not be so focused on this world and what we can get that we say no to doing what God's asked us to do. So you have this, you have two different people going in two different directions. The the worldly person whose goals and dreams are all about now. And the one who's heavenly minded, whose goals and, and purposes are for what happens in eternity. And Jesus says, seek first his kingdom. And so that we have to make that our goal, to make our heavenly focus uh, seeking God's kingdom and, and doing what he's asked us to do, not be so earthly-minded that we're no heavenly good because we are people. The world's out there having all the fun. They're, they're getting all the bells and whistles, and it's easy to fall into the same trap. But Jesus is saying, no, guys, I've been there. I've been to heaven. I know what's in heaven, and I know what's down on earth. And you compare the two. They don't even compare don't store up your treasures here on earth, store up your treasures up in heaven. But that's a choice that you're going to have to make. Am I going to give God the chance to do what He wants to do in my life? So those are the two things. Give God my worries, make my focus on on, on the heaven, on my future. In verses 32 to 34, we find: give your fears to God and go. You gotta actually get your feet moving. You've got to actually take a step to say, I'm going to do what God is, is wanting me to do. Otherwise, you're just going to sit in your worry and in your fears and do nothing. He says, do not be afraid, little flock. Jesus knows these guys are afraid. He knows that this is a scary thing. He's asking them to do something that is very difficult. He says, uh, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes in and where no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. This is where the rubber meets the road. I know God's asking me to do something. He's asking these people to sell their possessions and give to the poor. God's asking something of you, and there's a point where you have to say, okay, yes, I'm going to do that, and you have to go. Yes, I'm going to go on this mission trip. I don't know how I'm going to get the funds to do this. I don't know how, where I'm going to go, but I just feel like God wants me to go, so I'm going to tell God, yes, I'm going to give him the chance. Your Heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask him. He says he's going to provide for you what you need if you're willing to go, if you're willing to give him the chance. Say, yes, I'm going to teach that Sunday school class. I've never taught a day in my life, and I'm scared to death. But if God asks you to do it, he's going to give you the ability to do it. If he's asking you to give in a large amount of money for your pocketbook uh, to a missionary or to, to VBS or to some missionary or to some person down the street who needs financial help, if you do that, God's going to take care of you. But it's, it's just a matter of if you're willing to do it. And, and as far as like storing up possessions, it's totally fine to store up possessions. You're, you're supposed to do that. You're just supposed to put them in the right location. Down here on earth. My, my car can get broken into. I can, I can lose everything. My house can burn down. My, my, the thieves can break in, and they can rob me, and they can steal. I don't lock my doors usually. I don't have a gun. I'm not going to really stop anybody. They're going to come in and take it all. Whatever they find that they actually want, they're going to take it. But that's all my earthly stuff. That stuff is going to be destroyed. It doesn't go with me when I die. He says, store up your possessions. Go for it. Knock yourselves out but store them up in the right location. And it is the sacrifice that we're called to make. I mean, it's your choice. It's your option. You, it, I can't make it for you. You can't make it for each other. God's asking something of you. It's up to you whether or not you're going to do it, if you're, whether or not you're going to say yes. But there's a point where you have to say, the rubber just met the road, and I'm going to go. I only know the very first step that I took. What's next? I don't know. Okay, God pointed, gave me step number two. What's step number three? Oh, this is step number three. You know, and this is step number four. You don't know where it's going to lead. And it's not going to be easy. There's going to be trials. There's going to be persecutions. But it's going to be worth it. Down here on earth, it's going to be difficult because we don't know where God's going to take us. We don't know how it's going to turn out. Life is not going to be perfect just because you say yes to God. But I'm reminded of, again, Psalms 103. Of those that huge list of the benefits of God, we have salvation, you know and we we're, we have the hope of eternal life, but it says he he doesn't remember our sins as far as the east is from the west as a father has compassion on his children, so he has compassion on us and there's just numerous things and it's like God has already proved how much he loves you how much he is willing to do for you he sustains our life he gives us The air that we breathe, that we take that for granted. I do because there's always another breath. But he's done so much for us, and he promises that he will take care of us. So I just want to challenge you. If you've never given God the chance to do what he's asking or or what he's wanting to do in your life, it's to give him the chance. Don't worry about what your family thinks or what your friends think or what your bosses think. Don't worry about what it's going to cost you here on earth, financially or uh, all your possessions. Just say, yes, God, I'm going to give you the chance. Be gentle on me, but I'm going to give you the chance to do what you want in my life. And you'll be storing up treasures up in heaven. Your earthly treasures down here will be destroyed, but your your heavenly treasures up in heaven are going to last forever. You're storing up treasures one place or another, and I would encourage you to store them up there. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this passage. God, this is a very difficult passage because it's talking about us saying no to what we want and saying yes to letting you do what you want in our lives, God. For some, it's difficult to give up money. For some, it's difficult to give up time. For t- some, it's difficult to give up a career uh, or a housing location. Or, uh, God, there's just so many things that it feels like it's a huge sacrifice to us. God, we have worries, God, of how are you going to take care of us? How are you going to provide if we say yes to you? God, we know that you are giving us salvation. And we're trusting you for that, God. But it, please help us to say, "I'm going to trust you to do what you want in our lives down here on earth." God, I thank you that you're willing to give us treasures up in heaven if we're willing to to do it. But God, we need that. We need the little kick in the the backside. We need the little help, the nudge to go in that direction that you want us to go. So I pray for your help to do that. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'd like it if you.